Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Can you guys hear me? Test one, two. Camera's a little bit further away than usual. So this is a painting that my son did over Christmas. Pretty cool, huh? Let me know if I sound okay. Okay, I got a heart over there, so I'm gonna mean that sounds good. Awesome, guys. Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, another episode of uh, Revolution Gathering. Um, <laughs> so I... Uh, I recorded, I recorded this talk, <laughs> well I went to record this talk on Friday because I have the kids today, Super Bowl, I, I don't care about the Super Bowl, I actually didn't even know it was Super Bowl until last week, I didn't even know the Olympics were happening until like last week, so, um, but here's the thing, so, um, I can flail my arms around, I'm very, I'm a hands talker, so I, I'm trying to back up the camera a little bit because I noticed that Pete's thing, my camera was backed up a little bit and I liked the, the, the picture a little bit more. But anyway, I just wanted to show you guys that Milo did a painting. So Minnie and Milo are here because, so Friday I did a, I did a, um, I had a, uh, I had a nap. I was like, what could go wrong? And the, the nap was a beyond successful. So I, uh, overslept and, and ran out of time to do the talk, you know, and I'm not going to lie to you. I hit the snooze button and then I was just like, oh, I can do another, you know, whatever. Anyway, so here we are live. Kids are with their tablets. I'm allowing my kids to be on their tablets and be entertained for a little while because that's how much I love you guys. Um, so yeah, we're having a good time. So today I am going to do something that is, um, this is live. This is, this is live from, I, I napped, I overnapped. So now it's live. Um, but I like that fact that like I could just come on and say it's live and then just pretend like I'm ignoring all the comments. Um, I don't know about this orange necklace really, but I kind of like it. I don't know. Anyway, so here we are. Um, in the middle of Galatians. So last week I was thinking like, you know, um, oh, that's also my kids might come in and out. So we'll find out, we'll see if we get any guest stars today. Um, but I bribed them with a, an Irish chocolate um, that I brought home from Belfast, or actually that Helen sent me from Belfast. Um, so yeah, so last week we did uh, Galatians 3 and I was thinking about uh, Galatians and how amazing it is and the fact that I felt like three was so heavy that we could have spent just like 45 minutes just on the end of three. So I've decided to do something I've never done before in the middle of Galatians and that is do a, a uh, overview of one through three and kind of show the momentum that we're having uh, because this is such an important book. Also, I want to let you know, um, I uh, looked into the Gauls, double check, triple check, and I was right, the Gauls were there. Um, there's a great New York Times article um, that you can read about when they went to modern day Galatia, which is somewhere in Turkey, um, and how the Gauls, how they uh, they were doing, um, they they were doing a excavation, excavation, excavation. I'm not saying that right. Um, they were basically Indiana Jonesing, and uh, and found artifacts from the Gauls. And Galatian, and it's funny as they were all surprised, they're like, oh, you know, they were surprised that Galatians and the Gauls were actually there and in Turkey and, and overseen by Rome. 
Also, some of the things I found out about Rome was that um, that Rome divided the Gauls so much that they were actually politically divided in three different groups. Uh, it was it was really interesting to read about and about their gods and about their warrior style and all this stuff and and uh, yeah, so check that out if you want to. Um, it's in the New York Times, uh, an old article, but you can just put in Galatians, Gauls. The New York Times article comes up. So just wanted to get there and do that, put that in there for you. Um, archaeologists, they were doing an archaeological dig and found Gauls, stuff from the Gauls there. Um, so there you go. So we're going to kind of go through a bit of a review in Galatians, and there's just no, no easy way. Did you, Steve, did you hear that? I, I finally did my research a month later. It's always nice to second-guess yourself and then realize that, that you were right. So that's, that was a happy, happy thing to find out, you know? Um... So Galatians 1 through 3, um, it, you can hear the kids in the background if you listen. Um, Galatians 1, 6 really hits off where, where Galatians is going. So we're going to do a, an overview of 1 through 3. And, you know, as I said before, we're dealing with a community that Paul's trying to basically save this community and keep them together. Um and they're divided between Jewish Christians who are just really practicing Judaism with, with Christianity because it wasn't seen as a new faith. It was just seen as a fulfillment of uh, uh, prophecies fulfilled. Um, and the Gauls who are Christians now and their division. And basically, um, I was talking to Zoe the other day and it was like, he, he mentioned that, um, or they mentioned that, um, you know, it was funny because it was all about like the way your penis looked. You know, is it clipped or is it not? Are you, you know? And uh, I, I thought that was kind of funny because I hope a thousand years from now people look back on our history in the church and see the things that we are arguing about and go like, you know, they look at it like arguing over circumcision um, or eating dietary restrictions or something like that. And they go like, oh, that's just little stuff. But to these folks, it was not little stuff. And obviously that comes really... That, that shows through very clearly through Galatians in Galatians 1 and 6 where it goes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and that you're turning to a different gospel. Now, I think what's really important here is one is Paul is saying, you know, that you've turned from the one who, you know, he's saying you've turned away from my message, you've turned away from Christ's message and you're doing a different gospel. And so the key point here is to look at is different gospel, um, a different gospel. If, if we, now I'm going to go through this quite pretty quickly because we're only, I'm only going to like a highlight of verse from each, each chapter and we're only looking at three chapters, but it'll give us time to think about it. And over in Galatians 2, in 2.18, Paul says, but if I be rebuild up again the very thing that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. And so Paul's talking about the law. He's saying, if, I, if you guys rebuild the law, because he was seeing how Peter was not sitting with the Gentile, or not sitting with Gentiles, not sitting with Gauls, not sitting with the other people in this community, which strangely enough, this community is named after the Gauls, Galatians, um, is... What's interesting about that is um, we we often rebuild old systems or create new systems. But what I when I what I want to do is take that back to Paul saying another good news or another gospel. You know, Paul talking about um, you know I, I'm so shocked that you that you've gone to a, a, what did he say a a different gospel. 
And Paul's saying, even when we rebuild the old law, when we bring in the law, when we bring in what we practice for years and we add that to Christianity, to, to, to this message of, of freedom in Christ, this message of grace, and we, we put our rules and, and our, our own uh, traditions on others to force them to be like us, then it's another gospel. Um, so when you, when you rebuild the old system into these people's lives, you're creating another gospel. So it's really clear what Paul is trying to say here is um, we've created another message. There's another gospel happening here, and we need to look at that. So he goes on to say um, in 18.2 and 19, For though the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and am no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I life now, but in, I don't, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify grace of God, for justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Um, so Paul's being very bold here, you know, he said, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing another gospel? You know, if you try to go back to the law, you're nullifying the work that Christ did. You're nullifying the life of Christ and the death of Christ. Um, and you're creating something that is not good news at all. And I remember when I first studied Galatians, it was the book that really transformed my life. And when I really first started studying it, it made me realize like, oh, this is why it's called good news. Because my whole life it was like, you got to give up this, or this is satanic, or this is bad, or this is, you know, you got to think this way, you got to vote this way, um, you got to abstain from this, you got to listen to this type of music. You know, it, it was this constant like, you know, be a different person look a certain way, you know, don't hang out with a certain group of people, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. And so I was always like, well, how is this good news? Like, because most of my life, my first 20 years of this world, was seen like Christianity was all about sacrifice, all about sacrificing things that you enjoyed, people that you cared about, um, in order you had to choose God, above all them. Now, people will say, well, Jade, the Bible says, no, 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 no. But the point was, is that it was saying avoid these people. And here, Jesus was with people. Actually, Jesus was making friends in all the wrong places and hanging out with all the wrong people and continuously made religious people angry. And now Paul is, is, is in this situation where he's going like, now you guys are going back to that kind of idea uh, that the Pharisees had of, of separation, that sound separation in all these, and guys, I don't want your sacrifices. You know, I want you to show mercy to each other. I, I don't need you to your sacrifices. And, and that's where I, one day we'll talk about my ideas on the atonement. I actually just bought a new book about the atonement so I could get a little bit more deeper into it. Um, so, so you see what's happening here is, is, is I know I'm, I'm kind of beating a dead horse probably for a lot of you, but this is what's happening. This is what's happening in Galatians. Paul wants these folks to become a community. And he wants them to take their, their traditions and their different ideas of what things are. Uh, mostly Gauls worship like animals and, and rivers and the earth and, and things like that. You know, and then you have the, uh, the Judaizers who practice Judaism. You know, and we're bringing Christianity. And he's saying, like, we, we've got to unify us as the Christ part. You know, the, 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 the showing grace to one another, the, the free gift, the loving each other. As a matter of fact, the key to doing that is living a life of grace for one another and not demanding your own way and not demanding that your birth, your birthright, you know, but living a life that allows other people to be who they are in Christ. And you can be who you are in Christ. You can still be circumcised. You can still have not eat certain things if that's your conviction but it's not about projecting your conviction onto others 
And I think if you ask most people what they think about when they think about Christianity is that we're constantly projecting what we think other people should do and be when we're not even doing it ourselves. And that's what Peter, I mean, that's what Paul said to Peter earlier. He's like, you're a Jew and you don't live like that. You don't live under the law. Why would you force these people to do that? You know, because often we feel the pressure of the church, we the pressure of the religious community, the pressure of James's group coming together, pushing us to do this. And this is why I wish we could reclaim Paul more in, in Christianity today. I wish that the, the progressive church would like reclaim Paul. I, mean, I know so many progressives who are like, I don't even read Paul. I don't want anything to do with Paul. You know, and I try to sit down and say, well, let me explain to you, like probably some of the problems you have with Paul aren't even legitimately Paul. You know, let's have this conversation. Um, because I think you really miss out on this concept of grace and you really miss out on the concept of what true community is. It's not just a bunch of people like you buying a hippie house and all having meals together and doing, you know, community in just a little small spot. It's people coming together from different communities, you know. That's what's interesting about the church is that, you know, one of the things Revolution, when we were in Atlanta, we did is we went into a community and became part of that community just as the tattoo shop or the par, you know, or the barber shop or the shops or the, the other houses of worship. You know what I mean? Like all these different, you know, the bar, the, you know, everybody. We came together and we, we entered into a community of diversity and, and, and didn't go in saying, like, we're going to win you all for Jesus. We just went and said, we would want to be a part of this community. That's what we want to do. And that's what we did. I mean, to the point where I remember I would get phone calls sometimes from people in Little Five Points when there would be street preachers saying, Jay, can you come out and talk to this guy? He's nuts. You know, he's screaming at all of us and hurting our businesses. Can you reason with him? And there sometimes I would try. Not usually successful, but I would try. Um, you know, I'd come out and say, well, you know, what about that verse where it says Jesus won't raise his voice in the streets or quench the smallest of hopes? You know, come out with all my Bible knowledge and... You know, but we all know how to do acrobats to get our point across, don't we? So, so, so in a way, what what happens when when we get rid when we get rid of Paul is we really do miss the concepts of grace. And so you wonder, like, why are there so many angry, like, progressive Christians out there who also seem to be practicing legalism and also seem to be really judgmental towards conservative Christians, almost doing the same things to them that they do to each other? As I'm like, well. If you like depend too much on you know fake Paul um, or or uh, reactive Paul, which is not Paul at all, or if you completely cut Paul out, you're going to miss a deeper sense of grace. And I mean, I've read the Gospels most of my life. I I, I love the idea of just oh, I'm a Jesus guy. I'm just a Jesus guy. But the red letters for me aren't enough. You know, when I was a part of the, a group called the Red Letter Christians, I was like, this is great, but I'm very Paulinian. You know, like Paul helped me realize what. Christ really was doing, what Christ was helping us realize, what Christ was allowing us to see. And now I see Christ, when I have a Paulinian lens, I see Christ in a whole new way, um, in a very revolutionary, inclusive way. And so it opens up the doors of inclusion. Um, so I think it's, it, it is a thing of cherry picking, which we all do. I think Paul the Apostle cherry picked, Jesus, when he read verses, cherry picked. Um, so I'm not going to say it's a horrible thing to do, but I think it's one of those things that we really miss out on what Christianity can be and, and I believe should, not to should on you all, but should be, is really in the message of Paul. And, and Paul brings that. Even when he's talking to the Romans, it's funny, it seems that he has the Gauls in his mind because he talks about the worshiping at birds and things like that, which is something that the Gauls were, were known to do. And always had his heart for the whole community, though. And he didn't cut out Judaism because he, he was a Jew. He was a religious teacher. He was a rabbi, you know, um, and I think a philosopher as well. And, and, and what he was trying to do is saying, hey, guys, I was there. I am one of you. So I realize the sacrifice this requires. So I'm not asking you to make a sacrifice that I haven't done. I'm asking you to go in and with new eyes and with an open heart with each other. And I think... It's very easy for us to do in this study is to put ourselves on the side of the Gauls, because most of us are Gentiles, um, and not uh, the Judaizers. But I think if we really were to reflect on how we treat others and how we can be 
very exclusive that we're more on the side of, of, of the Judaizers in this in some ways, is that we want people to think and do what we want to do, you know? Or maybe if, 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 if the Gauls are going like, you know, well, we don't even want them to practice their traditions, then maybe we're on the side of the Judaizers. But the problem is, is that's not how community works. And this is what Paul's saying is like, the gospel is set up to bring in diversity. The gospel is set up to bring all people together. The gospel is set up to even love your enemies. You know, I think that's why Dr. King was so good at that. Is, is he went in and said, you know, you might not recognize my humanity, but I'm still going to have a conversation with you. I still believe that, that you can, can recognize my humanity through my conversations with you. And, and did really hard work that ultimately cost him his life. Gandhi and Jesus and, and a lot of amazing leaders. And, and I believe that's probably what cost Paul his life as well as, uh, as people say, well, he's really expanding this little thing that we didn't think we'd have to worry about. Because um, Rome knew what they were doing. Rome knew to split up bigger communities and divide, how to divide communities so they could always rule and actually work on that. I mean, that's why Matthew was in the midst of tax collection. I mean, they went in and said, let's get, tax, let's get Jews to tax collect. Now, of course, that where they, they were seen as traitors to the community, and people, but they thought if they're more focused on fighting the tax collectors, and so then you get zealots who are like, we want to kill tax collectors, and so you have a community divided, and they knew how to divide a community, you know, um, if they only knew about how to do social media back then, you know, I mean, seriously, like, think about that, like, our politicians in so many ways are so good at keeping us divided on, like, three or four issues where we just go at each other all over, four, three, four, five issues, and like we're all so real about just so like you know you know so they like okay well we know that the conservatives you know are a little bit are concerned about abortion and they feel like that's kind of a murder and things like that so if we say hey these people are murderers and you are the good people even though that you'll notice that most of republicans don't really care about abortion issues it's a voting issue they're not changing laws majorly unless you live in texas you know um so they play us against each other and even this Facebook, what we're on, you know, I often say is like, you know, our, our millionaire overlords have given us great places to argue as they just sit back and we just maybe ignore their, their, what they're doing to us as communities, as people, and, uh, and by dividing us. And so Paul is very clear that I want you to be united. And, and I think about the I have a dream speech. You know, and where he goes, you know, it will not be the color of your skin, but the content of your character. And I think we've got to the place where it's not even your sexuality, but it's the content of your character. And what he's saying is it's, 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 your, it's your life as a human being. And I think that's what Paul's trying to call us to is, is how do we be human? How do we look at each other's character, not our birthright, not our race, uh, not uh, our, our, our traditions that we may have grown up with that we hold sacredly? But how do we treat each other as human beings? How, do we, how are we humane to one another? How do we show grace to one another? How do we make allowance for each other's faults? You know, and then how do we help each other carry each other's burden? And then when, when we screw up and become really judgmental, how do we restore each other? Which we'll look at at the end of Galatians, as Paul's very clear about that, is not, you know, even when, even when the enemies come in, even when people fall and come legalistic, Paul says, you know, we should gently and humbly help them back onto their path, you know, and make sure we don't fall into that same temptation of becoming legalistic like they did. I mean, it's all here. And that's why Galatians is such an amazing book to me. Why I would like to write a book on that. Um, I'd like to write probably two books right now. And I think the first book will get me signed and hopefully the second book will allow me to do Galatians. Um, so we looked at Paul saying in Galatians 1, you're creating another gospel. We look in, in Galatians 2 and Paul says, you're rebuilding the old system, you're rebuilding the law. If you rebuild that, you're seen as transgressors, which he's saying even when you rebuild the old law, now that doesn't work anymore. That's also another gospel that pretends to be, but is not. It's not good news. Um, it's exclusive, and that's not what Christianity is about. It doesn't even, you don't even kick out your enemies in Christianity. And here's the thing is like, if anybody was like to literally take the Bible, we always talk about literalists and like, oh, I can't stand those literalists. But if some people were to literally take the Bible, literally, you know, as they did the, probably the first few hundred years of Christianity, like you would not serve in the military. You would not be a police officer. You would not be in war. You would not fight. You would not do these things. That would be a literal interpretation 
which at one time was, and, and Christians were even taxed higher because they refused to give themselves to military service. Uh, so that would be literal. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that would be more of a literal interpretation. So we often don't even realize what we're talking about when we go, oh, well, those people over there are literalists. I'm like, well, yeah, they kind of really seem to not, you know, have a way to, to, to say why war is okay. That's probably not Christianity then. I mean, that's, that's not literal. That's not, that's, you know, saying, well, we'll take some of the old stuff and mix that in there too and, and add that, you know. But Jesus said, yeah, I used to say it tooth for tooth. Now I say, you know, turn the other cheek. You know, it's like, What? You know, love your enemy, do kind for them, pray for them. Don't bomb them. Don't shoot them. If someone asks for your jacket and you have two, give them the other one. So there you go with the, the idea of what literalism will look like um, in some ways as well in Christianity. So do you see what Paul's, so Paul's saying you're, you're, you're getting caught up in another gospel. So then we jump over to three where we were last week. Um, I'm trying to give you the best of what I think the essence is. And we'll do an overview at the end of, of, of Galatians as well. Um, but Galatians 3, uh, 23, um, says, Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law, under faith with Hopefully, hoping that faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came. And so what's happening is he's saying, like, you know, some of these folks are asking and acting as disciplinarians, and but Christ has come now. We don't need this disciplinarian now. And now grace has actually came before the law, 430 years before the law. So he's saying, we don't need this disciplinarian anymore, and you don't need to be disciplinarians anymore. But how many times have we been in part of churches where we become disciplinarians or we become kingdom monitors, you know, and we go like, well, this is my version of Christianity, so I'm going to be a disciplinarian in that. You know, I'm going to, if you don't add up to what I think Christianity should be, then you're not in Christianity, you know. Um, I saw a lot of people that were, were colleagues of mine uh, during the last few years say, like, if you voted for this person, you're not a real Christian. And I'm going, to, that was what I heard my whole life. I used to work at a Christian uh, television station and doing camera work. And I remember wearing a Clinton Gore shirt. And, and I knew what I was doing. I'm not dumb. Um, I knew what I was doing. I also had a shirt that said, kill your TV, you know, and I was at a TV station. Um, and they're like, Jay, the, he's the Antichrist. Clinton's the Antichrist. And, you know, and I was like, how is this? No, let me tell you why I like this type of political politics in, in my life and why I think it's good. And oh no, he's the anti every Democrat has been the Antichrist, right? Um, so the Antichrist has failed like a, so many times. And uh, and then God's gonna use the imperfect Republican to come in and save the day. Um, it's just funny how we biblically justify things. And, and so then all of a sudden I see these guys going like, oh no, that you're not a real Christian if you voted for this person. And I'm like, well, that's scapegoating. How does that have to, you know, you don't know what their convictions are and what their faith is and what they believe. I mean, if you maybe sit down and talk with them, but you can't say that this person is not a Christian because of blank. That's not your job. You're not the disciplinary. You're not the law. You're not Judge Dredd. You know, you're not the church's Judge Dredd disciplinarian who's come in to put us all straight and, and set us narrow and then act as though that the Democratic Party is the saviors. Because yeah, basically you're still putting your faith in capitalism and capitalism has done some horrible things to people, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. You probably hear my kiddos in the, in the background talking. <laughs> they're, they're trying to pick out their clothes for the day. Um, so... My son's threatening Chuck E. Cheese right now. Sorry, that's a side note. But so, so, so you have all this tension, you know, and, and we have ourselves being these guard. And neither one of us are called to do that, to act as like we are. And I, I've also, why, I, I'll read this a little bit more and I'll tell you another story. One second. Yeah, buddy. I just made them uh, cinnamon rolls and they're already hungry. Um, this is why I record usually early, guys. Um, 
So, there's law, there were description, well, they were the disciplinarian until Christ came. So they might be justified by faith. But now that the truth has come, we no longer are subject to the disciplinarian. You hear that? We're no longer subject to disciplinarians, folks. Even um, keyboard warriors. Um, for Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Um, so we may have come on different boats, Dr. King once said, um, but we're all in the same boat now, except for maybe a few billionaires who build really cool boats. Um, but we're all in the same boat now. So we got to go through this together. We've got to learn what community means. We've got to learn to, that's why revolution, why at revolution we constantly talk about arguing well, um, having the tough conversations. Because that's, really if you, if, if, if you want to follow Christianity, anyway, I, I liked in one of Pete's books, Pete, Pete Rollins' books, he said, um, if people ask if I believe in God, I go, uh, he said, his response was often, yes, I, I'm trying to love my neighbor as myself, or yes, I'm trying to love my enemy better. You know, and, and that was his response to do you believe in God, not, oh, well, I believe in God because of this and this and this, because he always felt like that's not really, that, that question is, especially if you're a philosopher, is like ridiculously huge. In, and so his idea was like, okay, well, if you're talking about the Christian God, yeah, I'm trying to love my neighbor as myself. Yeah, I'm trying to, to love my enemies more. And that's really what we're called to do, and to dialogue, and to argue well, and to live within community, and to create a greater community of healing for all people, not just um, not just the ones we agree with, not just the ones that our our bleeding hearts want to suggest with. You know, I fight with this too because there's times where I just want to jump on my 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 more left tendencies and throw people out, you know, but since I've been doing this, I've been studying more, I've been looking into things more, and even realizing, like, the media's lying to us, you know, and the media distracts us with all these small things, and then all of a sudden the media makes a hero, and you realize even these heroes aren't really heroes, you know, and the media's lied to me my whole life. I mean, I saw them lie about my family. Why wouldn't they lie about other people? Um, but a lot of times we take it hook, line, and sinker, and, and, and I mean, just the fact of, like, if you look at people who don't feel comfortable getting vaccinated and the people who do feel comfortable getting vaccinated and how we demonize each other, you know? It, we completely demonize each other over this to the point of saying, you're going to kill, you're making it dangerous, you're going to kill people, you're going to destroy these people's lives. And I can hear people thinking now, but Jay, I know the arguments. But what I'm saying is, is, if we're vilifying each other rather than listening to each other and we're vilifying anybody with a different opinion or a different idea than our own, um, we're not really practicing arguing well. We're not really practicing uh, uh, critical thinking. And that's tough. You know? But I'm telling you that this is not only what I've learned from reading Paul and reading about Christ and Christianity and the Bible, but it's also what I'm learning through reading from psychology and philosophy and, uh, and to see and think things a little bit deeper. Um, but a lot of folks aren't ready for that. You know, I mentioned a few months ago, I mentioned, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Oh, gosh, what is his name? The comedian. Um, I'm going blank today. Um, <laughs> you can start typing in comedians' names. Um, the big controversy with the comedian uh, uh, with all the transgender issues, um, Dave Chappelle. And, and I mentioned Dave Chappelle. And, man, I, I got read the riot act by some of you guys. Contacted me personally and let me know. Like, there wasn't room to have grace for Dave Chappelle at this point, you know? It, it, He's killing and hurting people, you know, and I'm going like, I'm, I'm trying to argue this, this well, you know, I'm trying to think deeply about this. And uh, my, my allyship was brought into question and all this type of stuff. And, and that was a really a tough thing for me to the point where I actually went back and I took out that three minutes skit, that's that point and took it out 
So I was like, listen, this has really hurt somebody. It's made them feel really bad. It makes, you know, but the fact is also I didn't feel safe myself because I was like, you know, I've got kids. I've got this community and I've got to worry about this community and I have to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and that my kids are being taken care of. It was a lot easier to be really radical when I didn't have kids, you know, to put food in their mouths. Um, but that's the thing is like, and it's assumed if you're showing grace sometimes to your enemies or showing grace to other people, you're on their side. And I think Paul does a really good choice to say to, to not seem to be taking sides in this issue. He, he seems to be doing his best to really say like, hey guys, I get it. And I'm going to go through our text to explain why this isn't the way we should be acting anymore. You know, I'm going to go through, we're going to look at this and we're going to talk about why we're free. So he seems to have a lot of empathy in trying to say like, I get it, I understand it, but that's not where we're at anymore. And that's called growth, you know. But he also says you guys are going to have to show patience towards each other because not everybody's going to grow and arrive at the same time. Um, so this whole idea of, of denying the gospel, of denying uh, the death of Christ, it comes down to saying us versus them. If, we're, if we say we're followers of Christ and we continue to play that, game that just seems to resolve, you know, oh, these folks are in power and the most influential now, and so now we're going to be on their side, you know, it's like, oh, I talk truth to power, but, you know, are you really speaking truth to power? Um, are you really questioning those folks? I think Russell Brand is someone who's doing a good job at that. I think he's, he, he could be a modern day Paul the Apostle. Um, I really recommend checking his stuff out. Um, so, Paul talks about being, you know, we're all baptized in Christ. I was going to tell you a story about my mom, but because I have the kids and stuff and we're trying to be quick here, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll save that story for another time, but it's about my baptism. Um, but we'll get into that later. Um, so 28 says, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And all belong to Christ then. You are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. And so that's, we kind of like went over that one a little bit too fast. And um, uh, last week I felt like, because that's a, that's a big one. That's one I also had pushback on because, of you know, we give up our identities in some ways. Um, but I, I was trying to think of examples of, of how this works in a way that's not like, it means that we don't throw out people's, you know, you know, sexuality, we don't throw out people's uh, race, or we don't throw out, you know, like, you know, I don't want it to sound like that at all. And I, one of the things I thought about was just this recently, this don't say gay bill that they're trying to pass in Florida that's really toxic and awful and, and heterosexist. Um, homophobia would mean that you're afraid of gay people. Heterosexism means that you think heterosex being a heterosexual is the way to be, that you are, and that's the only way to be. So that's why I use the word heterosexism instead. I think, I think it's a more proper term, uh, but I don't know if it'll catch on. Um, but heterosexism, it's complete heterosexism. And for me, when I see this practice happening, I go, I've got to speak out. Like, I haven't spoken a lot about LGBTQ rights a lot lately because I feel like I have a lot of LGBTQ friends who are out there doing great work and I don't need to go in and straight-splain or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I've got to move on to different things of arguing well and having these conversations and continue to focus on the community as a whole. But there was a time where I was like, I have to speak up because no one was speaking up. None of my people around me that I was working with were speaking out. They were all scared and I was like, I'm going to have to do this. Um, but I had to speak out just recently about this Florida law because it's so unjust. And the fact is, is that it just doesn't treat people equal. It doesn't treat humans as humans. It, it ignores a whole group of humans. Just like um, not wanting to teach critical race theory in, in high schools and things like that. It, 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 it denies that something that happened. It, it's, oh, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the gross part of like the 200 and some odd years of, 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 of slavery, you know, we're not going to talk about that. You know, that's not right because we need to face that. That's the rec recognizing our humanity and where we go when we get things wrong, when we treat others as less than. Uh, also, the fact is if we treat other people as more than. And, and, and growing up in America, you're all, especially like in the 70s and 80s, it was like, we're number one. 
and we feel sorry for anybody who's not American. It was a very like arrogant like time. I mean, if you're Russian, forget about it, you know. Um, you know, so we've always been in this group that, that deals with pride and that shows a lot of prejudice. Um, but also on the other side, we have to think about folks on the other side too, you know, and, and where they're coming from and having the arguments with them, you know, and, and having the conversations with these folks if we want to see things change. Um, you know, the, the greatest thing they can do is say, oh, everybody wants special rights, you know, and, and so when it comes out is that everybody wants the special rights or be treated with kid gloves or treated a certain way, uh, then they start to think like, well, see, we, we told you so, you know. Um, I mean, churches under the law are allowed to discriminate. So we know what? Go for it. But we're not going to be, I'm not going to be a part of that. That's what, I don't even call revolution a church. We don't even call this a church right now because of things like that. And also because the other group says, well, then, you know, fight each other. I'm like, you guys figure out what you want church to be. I'm just going to go and talk about how we can build a better community of believers. We're two or more gathered together. That's why we use gathering. Um, so I, I took some notes. I, I, let's, let's just look, I'll look at some of my notes for a second here. And, um, And I want to say that I believe in the need of restoration for these folks who, who, who are judgmental and things like that. But I also believe there's need for reparations for people who've been treated differently. And I believe the African-American community, the black community deserves reparations for, for all those hundreds of years of slavery because we built this whole country on the backs of having free labor. You know, I mean, look at what capitalism's done there. And then look at what capitalism is doing now is saying like, oh, we're raising all the prices to all of our stuff, but we're not going to hire. And now people are quitting because they're like, I'm not going to work. You can have a full-time job in this country and not be able to afford food, rent, car, insurance, or anything. So I'm just saying like, you, you might, there might be a different type of capitalism that's better, but capitalism has gotten out of control to the point where we're still, we're still running this running this country on the backs of bruised people, on the backs of the poor. Now where it's not free, but it's almost free if you look at how these corporations work. And um, it's so funny to see all these people. Like, I saw these people speaking against Joe Rogan, and I'm seeing them all now do these Amazon things, like and doing all this Amazon stuff. And I'll admit, I order from Amazon from time to time. Um, but it's just like, uh, it doesn't add up when you do the math, guys. It, it, it doesn't. You know, what about, you know, people having to piss in the bottle on a factory line? You know, all this stuff doesn't add up, you know, and here I am filming this on an Apple product. You know, and what about the kids who are in the mines? I mean, I mean we're all, I think that's why it's important when we're thinking this way is that we don't just come out and like, I'm going to correct them. We come out with the idea that we all fall short. Just some of us choose to recognize some suffering and ignore other suffering, but no one is concentrating on all the suffering. Uh, that's why it took Dr. King a year to speak out on the Vietnam War, because he knew if he spoke out on the Vietnam War, he would lose his place in the White House and he would lose his influence for the work he was doing. But eventually he came to the point where he said, I can't be silent anymore. I have to speak out about these atrocities. But it took him a long time because he had to weigh the cost, you know? And I'd say Dr. King, if there's any <clears throat> here I've ever had, Dr. King is it. And I look at that and I don't look down on King for that. I actually, because one time I told somebody, I said, I celebrate King for that. Why would you celebrate King for that? And I go, well, no, it's, it's the fact that I realized that there's humanity there. That, you know, that maybe if he had to sit with that tension, that it's okay when I sit with tension. Oh, you know what, it might be okay when you sit with tension and with others sit with tension. And it's also okay to have really hard, tough conversations and argue well because almost all of Galatians is arguing well. It's not like, oh, grace is just sensitive and it's soft. No, grace is hard work. Grace is arguing well. Grace is like, you might have to go like, F you, F you, we're out of here and come back a lot later. You know, grace is like the Jimmy Carter that comes into these like huge conflicts and says, all right, can we talk about this stuff? But it's tough, it's not easy, you know? 
And everybody's like, well, I just think grace should be soft and, and it's like love and it's, oh, it's easy and it's cool. And, oh, I'm gonna ignore that you're, you know, you're killing your neighbors and burying them under the, 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 the yard, you know? No, it doesn't do that. It goes, hey man, you're killing everybody. I'm gonna call the cops on you, but guess what? I'm also gonna come visit you in prison. That's a very extreme example, but I feel like we have to use extremes right now because otherwise I'm gonna just be hitting too close to home for everybody else. Because we all fall short, we all compromise. And so you don't know what the battles some people are having. Like when I worked in homeless shelter for a long time, these people were the salt of the earth, but they were all like completely different politics as me, had different theologies than me. And, but the one thing I could say was, is like they weren't ignoring the least of these. They weren't ignoring the hungry, but maybe they were ignoring tax issues or social justice uh, issues as far as the government is concerned, but they were doing social justice at the ground level, you know? So maybe they ignored other things, like we ignore where we chocolate comes from, where our diamonds come from, where our phones come from, or, you know, I mean, who doesn't have a phone? Just something to think about. And I think that's what Paul's calling in this community of Galatians is saying, guys, we all fall short. But if we keep going to war rather than having conflict, if we're afraid to have conflict and have to go straight to war, then we're gonna destroy each other and we're going to kill each other and there's gonna be nothing left. And that's the church. If the church continues to act the way it does, there's going to be nothing left. If if the right and the left can't figure out ways to have tough conversations, there's gonna be nothing left. And honestly, I feel like we're headed towards a one-party system more than anything. We need a three or four-party system. And I don't barely, uh, I don't see the, I don't really see a big difference between either parties. I just think one is more honest about what they're uh, not gonna do and what they're trying to do, and the other one uh, tells us that they're gonna do all this stuff and then doesn't come through and do it either, you know? I mean, I'm paying a lot in health insurance because I can't barely afford it. And it honestly, I had a lot of promises about that. We had a lot of promises about getting checks for when we went through COVID and none of that happened. You know what I mean? So it's just important to realize like we all fall short. We all fall short. You fall short just as the others fall short. And when you get on here and you become a keyboard warder and you're going to expose the evils of whoever, you miss the point, you know? You miss the point. You miss an opportunity for grace. We miss opportunities for grace is what happens. I do it myself, okay? So I'm not just preaching to, to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I do this myself. Um, but we all fall short. And, and we become those disciplinarians. And we're all of a sudden the disciplinarians of this type of church or you know, like a lot of the, a lot of the things I see with deconstruction right now, just seems more like disciplinarianism to the things they don't like about the church. You know, it's like to me, deconstruction is not like, yeah, the church is shit. No, to me, it's like Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and uh, you know, historical research and word searches and you know, background and context and you know, and that's how we deconstruct these things, not you know, sitting around saying, oh, they're a bunch of assholes and I don't want anything to do with those bastards. And, you know, to me, deconstruction has led me to be here <laughs> because to me, theology is deconstruction. It's discovering other days theologies, taking down my own sacred cows and discovering new ones <laughs> and, uh, and growing through that and also learning to embrace contradiction, which is really tough. But that's another important thing. And I think that's why Hegel is so important. And it's sad to me that he's so impossible to, to understand. And, and I'm gonna have to read commentary on him to understand him. I, don't, I can't even read Hegel purely. Um, but the idea is this idea of contradiction or dialectics is that we need dialectics, we need contradiction, uh, we even need compromise in order to come in and realize that, you know, we're all fall short. We all got to come to this table equally realizing, like, you know, maybe we should all have our tails between our legs because we've done bad things, you know? Um, you know, well, my party doesn't call them cages. They call them you know, rehabilitation centers or whatever. You know, I mean, it's like a rose by any other name. And it's just easier to go out and protest stuff when it's not the guy we like, I guess. Um, I think I've covered all these things. Um, 
I was thinking about, you know, hot love's a higher law, you know, and, and if we're going to go by any law that love is the way to go, that, you know, Corinthians 13, never give up, never lose faith, always be hopeful, endure through every circumstance, which is going to be tough conversations. Um, one so, so for us to dare to such, for us to dare to pioneer such a community, um, we will have to bear the, the the tension of growing pains, and and um, it's a major undertaking to live like this. It's a major undertaking to follow this type of 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 of, of gospel. Um. So. So. It's going to require us to go deeper and not be the, uh, be the ones with all the answers. Read more. Um, and patience. There's a reason patience is a virtue. And to the point where maybe we become mediators. And I'll end on this because my kids are going crazy. Um, I think they're going to try to trick me to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Um, but, but mediators. And when I went through my last divorce, and I'm not going to say it quietly because my kids are in the next room, but we, we got a mediator. And it was very tense at the beginning. Um, but the mediator listened to all the hard stuff, everything we said. He never was like, no, don't say that. Or, hey, shut up. You know what I mean? Well, I got up and walked out at one point. You know, and then when I walk, he came back and said, this is why I don't want you to walk out. This is going to be the cost if you do walk out and try to go this other, like, you know, mediated and came in and explained everything. Now I can say that me and my ex are really good friends. But at the time, we needed a mediator to be there because otherwise we were going to go to war. And that mediator kept us from going to war. So my hope as people from Revolution is that we learn to be mediators and mediators in our community, and mediators with one another. And I will say that I feel like a lot of you have done that and done a great job at that. So there is Galatians 3 review, huh? There's a lot, but that's what I get out of it. Um, I'm curious what you get out of it. I, I, I have more time to take thoughts and stuff, but I need to get my kids out here, and we need to go do something fun. And uh, this is enough for them. So thank you all. Hey, if you like what we're doing, please go to revolutionchurch.com. Support us. It's at the top of the website. And the links to all of our talks are there. Tell people about the YouTube channel. Tell people about our podcast. Retweet them. Share it with others. We really could use your support on social media. I mean, we really, really could use it, especially on Twitter. I feel like we're like kind of suffering on Twitter. And we've got one or two people on there who really encourage us. But we could really use like retweets and people talking about what we're doing. If you like what we're doing, share it with others. And uh, also, we could use your support as well. So love you guys. We're going to go have some fun. Bye-bye for today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.